and welcome to the Wild Books Podcast. I'm Thalia Caddy, book lover, cat mom and candle maker. After years working in the glittering West End in the theatre industry, I swapped plays for books and started Wild Books, a small business with a big heart, with a vision to enrich your life through the world of books. This is not a book review podcast. This is the start of a conversation around ideas explored in books, which will open your hearts and minds. Taking inspiration from fictional stories and a wide library of non-fiction books, we go deep into subjects that matter and that will positively impact your life. By looking through the eyes of other people with different life experiences, I challenge you to listen with openness to what you hear today. So take a deep breath, get curious and allow yourself to be surprised. Welcome to the Wild Books Podcast. Today I have a very exciting guest, Amanda from Bookish Bakes. I have been lucky enough to become really good friends with Amanda over the past couple of years. We both have book inspired businesses which we have started both to help with our own and with your mental health. This is a brilliant conversation where we get super real about our mental health struggles and all of the positive things that you can do to help yourself when you too might be struggling. So enjoy this episode. I'm so grateful to have you here and keep listening to find out more about a very exciting collaboration. Hello and welcome to the Wild Books podcast. Welcome Amanda. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. So Amanda uh, runs the amazing business Bookish Bakes, which is just so joyful. Huge, huge fan. Um, And we do have uh, an exciting collaboration, which we're going to talk a little bit about today um, that we're working on together. But Amanda, would you like to just give us a little bit of an intro on who you are and what it is that you do a little bit about your business? Yeah, of course. So I'm Amanda. Um, I'm Canadian, if you notice the weird accent. Um, And I run Bookish Bakes, which is essentially um, a bookish company that sells baking kits and baking subscription boxes, all inspired by uh, modern and classic literature. Incredible. Love it. Um, So today we're going to be talking about The Secret Garden by Frances Hodgson Burnett. Uh, This is the book that we've chosen to do for our collaboration because we both love it so much. It is such a beautiful children's classic. Um, And so I just thought, Amanda, if you could just give a quick overview of the book for our listeners, that would be great. Yeah, sure. So like you said, it is a children's novel. Um, It was published in 1906. Um, It's kind of a coming of age story, or if you want to get fancy, it's like a bildungsroman. Um, Oh my goodness. uh, (laughs) I know, I know. That's like my university education coming in. (laughs) um, It opens with Mary Lennox and she's this kind of spoiled, selfish, sickly little girl. And she's living in British India with her parents who she barely sees. Um, And her story kind of really begins with tragedy when her parents pass away and she's forced to move to Yorkshire to live with her uncle. 
And so she moves into Misselthwaite Manor and she kind of loathes the general sort of greyness of Northern England um, and the moors where she is. And she's absolutely miserable and horrible to the people who work in the manor. Um, and it really isn't until one of her maid servants, Martha, tells her about a secret garden that belonged to the late mistress of the manor that Mary starts to get sort of curious and excited about her new home. Um, and then kind of through her quest to tend and find the garden, she makes friends for the first time and her health and her disposition start to improve and she grows to love her new home. Oh, beautiful. I love the the curiosity part, you know, it sparks her curiosity as a young person and mm. it's just such a valuable thing that we can, we can all be a bit more curious in the world, can't we? Yeah, uh, no, I agree. So I'd love to know if you remember the first time you read this book, like, can you remember where you were in your life? Um, and what, what is it specifically about that experience you remember? Yeah, I think, I think I was about eight or nine when I tried reading it the first time. I think I had just watched the 1993, like Maggie Smith movie. And uh, so I went to try and read it. And, but I think the language at the time was just too old for me. Like it was, you know, it's, it's written like late, 19th century early 20th century so the language was a bit different than what I was reading at the time and so I kind of gave up on it um and I read it properly for the first time in university for a 19th century fiction class like children's lit class and to be honest I didn't really give it the time it deserved the first time around like I sort of whipped through it because I had so much to read at that point because I was doing a literature degree so I had like so many classes I was reading books for so I just sort of like blasted through it and didn't really give it much time. And I feel like reading it as an adult, like a lot of the magic was lost on me. I think it would have been better if like it had been read to me as a child or if I'd weighed it and read it when I was a preteen, maybe. Like, I think there's a very distinct difference between kids imagination versus adults imagination like it's just the experience is more different when you're a kid like the magic's more real it's more engaging and I don't know like for example like if you like Disney movies right like I grew up on Disney movies I don't know if you did as well but they give me like such nostalgia and comfort every time I watch them especially the 90s ones because they were so magical and real and fun when I was young. And so I get that now as an adult, but my partner, Chris, he didn't watch them as a kid. So I've been educating him. I've been like trying mm-hmm. to get him to watch these films and he enjoys them, but he enjoys them from like a, the perspective of an adult watching a kid's film. And I don't think it's the same feeling. Like the magic is lost. The experience is completely different. And I feel like that's kind of what happened with me with Secret Garden. I feel like it would have been a lot better if I just read it as a kid or had it read to me yeah that's so interesting so if anyone knows any children then get reading to them because it is a beautiful story with magic and and a lot of like gorgeous life lessons as well um so yeah that's that's a really really interesting point um and why do you think that it's important for us to read children's literature I think there's a lot of good reasons to read children's literature like it kind of 
you know, there's that escapism aspect of it, of course. There's like the fantasy, the nostalgia, especially with books that you've read before, kind of reconnects you to your imagination, which, like I said, is something we lose as we age and like reality kind of takes over and we get stressed out. And you sort of experience that feeling of discovery that you have all the time as a kid as well. Like you're always discovering new things. Everything's always so magical when you're a kid. So you can kind of get that feeling again by reading children's literature. But I think more than reading it yourself, I think it is really important, like you said, to read with children because when you read with a child, you get to experience that playfulness and you can see their imagination sparking and you know, they may ask you questions about things that you kind of would have glossed over because their brains work completely differently to ours. So it sort of opens conversations that, you know, might have been more difficult otherwise and expands their worldview. And it allows you to kind of revisit old favorites and experience the magic in a different way. So I feel like, yeah, it's really important to read with kids. I think that's such a brilliant point. I think the in the same way that we as adults enjoy book club because we can talk about a book and it kind of strengthens our experience that we have with with the the book that we've chosen to read and everyone brings a different perspective to it it's the same with children like they're yeah they're processing and um the way that they're taking the story in might be very different to how we would do it at that time but it it has that opportunity to make new connections and bring new meaning to the work and kind of pull out beautiful moments and yeah just a deeper meaning into the real world as well Mm -hmm. yeah no I agree with that it's so beautiful Um, So nature is quite a key theme in this book and we are both, we both love nature and we love, you know, the magic that you can capture in in engaging your senses in in the world. Um, I'd love to know a little bit more about like what what nature represents to you and like what's your current relationship with nature? How has it changed over time? Yeah, you know, it's really funny as a kid, Mary's idea of fun of like digging through a garden spending time outside that would not have jived with me at all (laughs) as a kid like I was such a homebody as a child I just wanted to be inside I wanted to be reading coloring playing board games writing I hated the outdoors my dad he used to call me um he used to call me the mushroom when I was a preteen <laughs> and a teenager because I just, I hated being outside. I prefer being inside. So gardening would have been my idea of like a personal hell at that point when I was <laughs> Mary's age. But it's funny because as an adult, I crave being outside. Like the pandemic was a nightmare for me, especially when we weren't even allowed to go like walk in the park for that brief period. Like I need to be outside. I need to breathe fresh air every day. Well, I mean, you know, as fresh as London can get <laughs> um, and like stretch my legs and be in a green space or I, I will go stir crazy. I will. Um, like one of my favorite things to do at the weekend now is hiking. Like I will find walk. I find walking in parks and like on trails very soothing and restorative. Um, it's one of the things I miss most about Canada really ironically now (laughs) is like the forest the trees like the lakes and the mountains and everything I don't think I really appreciated them when I was living there and I kind of wish I had more of that now (laughs) 
Yeah, hundred yeah. um, percent. I'd love to know what. Where's your like favorite place to go in London or around London for a hike at the weekend? Oh, in London, I think I just like the London parks. Honestly, yeah. I do. I think Regent's Park is really, really beautiful, and Greenwich Park we go to all the time because it's it's literally like you know a forty minute walk from where we live. So, yeah, those are kind of my two favorites. I think, but oh, yeah, I like getting out gorgeous. in the countryside as well when I can. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I um Hampstead Heath was always my favorite when I was oh. living in London. It's just so magic and going to the ponds like the ladies pond, going swimming, it's just just otherworldly. Um but I'm from Sheffield, which is it's not quite Canada levels, but it's very green and you're like mm. the the peak district is on your doorstep and so just being able to get out and spend time in in those areas just absolutely magical um yeah I, I feel like for me when I was a child uh we didn't do a huge amount of walking but I was always quite an active child in terms of like doing lots of clubs and um yeah we had like a nice garden and things so definitely spent mm. time outside but it's my relationship with nature's changed in that I it's just my it's this it's the place where I feel most at peace and my favorite thing to do is go for a walk without my phone and just like really be present with the nature because I think even even now we're a bit older it's still so easy to like I don't know just be be very detached from the world around us um so going out without a phone is always always lovely (laughs) yeah I love going out without my phone I just feel so like cut off from Mm -hmm. society which is what you need when you're trying to just relax and de-stress and yeah yeah when I was particularly unwell with my mental health I had I wasn't able to work so I had all of these days to fill and I was like ah what am I gonna do um and I was living quite near Kew Gardens at the time so would go and like visit Kew Gardens see all of the amazing plants and just like allow myself to be completely in awe um with with the nature that is 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 in that area and just just so special I think that that time period really helped me to reconnect with nature in a really positive Mm. way yeah yeah for me it was just very natural I think like I didn't even really notice myself enjoying nature like and wanting to be out in it I think it was just something that happened as I got older and I don't know maybe it had to do with moving to a big city where there isn't a lot of green like there is a lot of green in London but it's all very sort of in its specific spaces you know like where I'm from green is everywhere so mm-hmm. you're you're kind of just like thrust into it, whereas here I have to go searching for it. So I feel like maybe that had an impact on how I view it and why I seek it out more, yeah. possibly. Yeah, I, I love know. that. No, that's great. Um, so one of the characters in the story of The Secret Garden is disabled. Um, mm-hmm. And I would just love to know your thoughts on why representation in children's literature is important. Yeah, I think... For kids, I mean, for all of us, but I think for kids especially, it's it's really important to understand perspectives outside your own limited experience. And it kind of, it can help you be less afraid or nervous of children who are different to you and learn that they're 
they're the same as you you know like they may have something that's like a little bit different or a different life experience but in the end we're all you know we're all human we all want and dream and desire the same things so I think it's good in that regard that it can you know teach kids about different perspectives um I think too it can help kids develop empathy as well like of something I think honestly is a bit sorely lacking in the <laughs> world today uh it's just the ability to like listen and understand and you know not judge people who have experiences or opinions are different to your own like I think it can help in that way as well and makes you just a more well-rounded adult I think yeah absolutely um, I I totally agree and I think just as you were saying before about like giving space for conversation and you know if it is something that they've maybe not come across themselves at school or at nursery or or whatever it just does offer that opportunity to give them space to ask those questions and to talk about things and normalize things which is really important yeah Yeah, exactly so as a sensory inspired business with taste and smell being important to both of us why do you think this is important and why do we need to encourage people of all ages to engage more with their senses yeah well I mean it kind of all has to do with your brain doesn't it it's like you know both smell and taste they're linked so closely to memory and emotion and because the anatomy of the brain it sort of like allows the olfactory signals to travel to the limbic system really quickly so it's why when we smell something it triggers a memory and like the feeling that's associated with it and I feel like stimulating these senses while you read kind of triggers these signals in your brain and allows you to connect emotionally and more deeply with the story and it makes the world more tangible and like come to life for you and I think you know I think it's important because we're a very visual generation, right? Like we're constantly looking at screens and taking in information with our eyes and it can be a bit of an overload for our brains and our nervous system. And I think it's nice to take a break from that and encourage, you know, growth and development in your other senses and really take the time to engage your senses of like smell and taste and hearing and touch and it's such a mindful and calming experience. And I think that like sensory stimulation, it's not just important for toddlers, like adults can benefit hugely from it too. So yeah, I think that's really important. Yeah, for sure. And I know that a few people who are listening to this will also be aware of like how important senses are in grounding techniques. So if you're mm. someone who struggles with anxiety, um, then some of the grounding techniques that you might be taught which will help you to kind of come down out of a really anxious state it is all about engaging with your senses so when I was having a lot of panic attacks um I would try and use the process of like five four three two one so you you pick I can't remember exactly which way around it is but it's like pick five things you can see four things you can here three things you can smell two things you can touch one thing you can taste and 
to actually like get your brain engaging with the world around you through all of your different senses, you start to become grounded in reality and anxiety can really take you away from the reality and you can become Mm. very lost and wrapped up in, in your head. And so practicing that in your day-to-day life, even if you don't struggle with anxiety too much, or maybe you do, but you're okay right now you know just getting used to using your senses and experiencing life fully in that way really helps you to to ground yourself and being mindful and the practice of mindfulness is something that I feel very passionately about because it is all about just getting into the present and being rooted in what is happening right now and and observing and it's been hugely important for me and my anxiety and so doing little things and fun activities and you know lighting a candle as you read all of those things are really positive kind of training experiences for your brain as well which I think is 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 important um yeah especially if you struggle with anxiety or even if you don't then it's something that you can pass on to someone else who you know who you know does yeah exactly no I was I was taught the same sort of similar thing like when I was having panic attacks my therapist was always telling me like just focus on what you can see and name the things you can see so like I was told like a you know Chris would ask me like what color is the curtain like oh it's beige you know like what's my middle name oh you know do you know like I was supposed to say things that were very kind of sense oriented but also just like basic I suppose mm. yeah, to bring oh my you God, back. yeah because yeah. because your your brain has like been hijacked right so mm-hmm. you can't do anything more than just the basics I had a really bad panic attack on the Bakerloo line um oh God. it was oh. so bad and I literally <laughs> I can't imagine oh my god <laughs> I know oh. but they had like a panic attack specialist like the underground they had this oh, member right. of staff who had like a badge that said like panic attack specialist or something oh, I mean that's goodness. how I remember it but he was um he kind of got me up off the platform held my hands and got me he was just taking me up out of the like the actual platform where the trains come on um but it was all about engaging my senses so he held my hands Mm. so and he was like hold my hands feel my hands feel my hands and he kept talking to try and like you know engage my my hearing and then also I hadn't realized I did this but I always was closing my eyes when I was having a panic attack and that means that you're like even more shutting down any sensory information that can help ground you so he was he said open your eyes keep your eyes open and that made a huge difference and then now if I ever have like an anxiety or panic attack ever since that time I've always been like oh must keep my eyes open (laughs) I know I know now how like crucial that is um yeah that's really interesting mm, so interesting it's also really good to know that they have those people on the Mm. tube like I did not know those people existed so that would should be something that they're talking about more often I know, I know. I do I do think that the underground staff are heroes. Yeah. <laughs> the they amount really of stuff are. they have to deal with yeah. and the different people and different situations. Um but yeah, I just felt so like I felt 
at the time I was like, how did he know how to help me? Because he really did. And then kind of going back and like thinking about the types of things that he was getting me to do. And it's so useful because then if you come into contact with someone else who is having an anxiety attack, just like knowing the absolute basics of just trying to ground them is, um, yeah, it's really valuable. Mm. So let's talk about baking. Um, I love, I just love your business. And I've said to you many times before, oh, baking, like (laughs) it's really, I just find it like so much effort and I just... so often can't be bothered and I love your kits so much because everything is there it's all just like everything is broken down so easily you don't have to go to the shops and buy like 30 different ingredients and spend you know 20 pounds on on a cake um so I am a huge huge fan of of what you do um but I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about your relationship with baking and why you've built your business around baking and books yeah sure so thank you first of all I (laughs) like it (laughs) um I I think baking and books like they've been two of my biggest passions like as long as I can remember um they've both seen me through some really tough times in my life um so when I was living in Australia after university I had a very difficult time I was disconnected from my family and my friends I couldn't get a job Uh, my parents were divorcing and I sort of felt like my life was falling apart basically and I felt like a failure in many respects and I became very depressed and I didn't want to do anything except watch reruns on telly and sleep and it was around Christmas time and I was missing being at home and baking with my mom and my grandma. So I decided to get off the sofa and make some shortbread and because it seemed really easy and there was very few ingredients and it wouldn't take a lot of time and it felt like something that I could do. And in that moment, like mixing things up and making these cookies, it felt like flicking a switch in my brain. Like mixing things together with my hands, following instructions, like step by step, just like basically being completely absorbed in the act of baking. Like I didn't think of anything else. I didn't like, there was no voice in my head telling me that I was shit. There was no voice telling me that I was a failure. The inner criticism, it just stopped for like an hour. And that was really eye opening for me. So that sort of baking then turned into therapy for me during that time and every day I would like make myself get off the sofa for a few hours and bake something and I started because it was so good for me I started doing things that would take a little bit longer so I started like trying out bread and like layer cakes and cinnamon rolls and things that I'd never really tried before because they required a lot of concentration and time um so yeah and it just sort of like turned into this this therapy for me and it was really great and similarly books too like they've always been my number one way to escape like anything that's going on um maybe that's not the most healthy way to deal with things but it's how I coped with like childhood bullying and the switch from high school to university and most recently the pandemic as well um I find so much comfort in books and they're allowing my imagination to distract me even if it's just for like a really short period of time like 10 minutes it's just a massive help um 
So combining the two just sort of seemed like a natural thing for me to do and to take my experience and like my knowledge of baking and mix it up with my love of books and um and reading to create this like this joyful immersive experience in order to help other people reduce the stress in their lives and help them with their anxiety like it helped me and it's just so fun and I just like I'm so lucky that I get to call this my job like it just seems like a dream that I get to bake and and read for a living and help other people do the same so yeah. oh that's so beautiful and um I, I think it's so interesting what you say about you know is this the best way to deal with things I saw someone once say you know you shouldn't be trying to escape your problem like you shouldn't be trying to escape your life you should be dealing with your problems and I it like really um ga- gave me like a reaction right and I was like I disagree and then I went away and just like had to think about it and I think the reason that I don't I disagree is that I think that we need to be able to give ourselves time away from reality in order that we can come back in a more like restful and restored way to deal with our problems because when you're in those like high stress high alert physical and mental places you're not in the best place to deal with some of the things that life throws your way and actually giving yourself a little bit of a breather and time out and doing something that just calms you down and makes you feel good means that you come back to an experience a little bit more level-headed a little bit more able to kind of properly engage with what it is that's going on um I just don't I don't see it as a negative I don't see it as running away from your problems I see it as such a a positive like action that you can do for yourself in order that you can live live fully and engage with what's going on and maybe you don't feel like that's always been the case for you and I probably agree that I've just sunk into books for you know weeks (laughs) weeks <laughs> not <Yeah>. like not <laughs> not raise my head but but I just think there's I think especially in the very modern world where you're constantly bombarded with a lot of really challenging information and news and different ways that we can fall into comparison traps with social media and, and things like that I just think we deserve a bit of a break and that books are just waiting to like welcome us in and and give us that time and space we need yeah no I agree with that I love that like welcome they just they're there to welcome you I love Mm -hmm. that yeah because they are they're always there if you need them yeah yeah definitely um so the collaboration that we're doing as we said we're focusing on the secret garden um the box itself has a secondhand copy of the secret garden which both amanda and i do in our business we want to encourage people to get your hands on secondhand books and to promote the circular economy because we both love the publishing industry as well but you know in our little space we believe that there's like always a second life to be had with a book um and where we can recycle and reuse we should be doing that so um you'll get a copy of the book uh secret garden candle 
which is divine um so nice (laughs) it's so nice um and then we've got a very exciting recipe for you to make which goes along with the book as well so can you tell us a little bit about your process of how you came up with the recipe that you're sharing with everyone and the ingredients and everything how you do that and and what exactly is the delicious treat that people can experience Yeah, no, it's funny because people always ask me like how I choose and develop recipes. Um, I tend to focus kind of on one of three aspects of a novel. So to create the recipe that will kind of make the most immersive experience and immerse you the most in the story. And um, those are like location, setting or time period, Um, plot, theme or like the overall feeling of the story or something taken directly from the text. And I try to do that the most often because I feel like that's the thing that's going to immerse you the most is eating something that's actually mentioned within the text. Um, So for Mary's cupcakes, um, obviously there are not cupcakes in the book, sadly. However, um, I wanted to kind of evoke um, the feeling of lounging in like a late summer English garden, maybe like on the cusp of autumn. And I wanted to incorporate like the symbol of the roses and the theme of friendship in the novel. So I used carrot, so that's a carrot cupcake um with kind of autumnal spices for when Mary first kind of stumbles across Ben Weatherstaff which is her first friend he's um work he's a caretaker and he's working in a vegetable patch um so then I paired it with a rose flavored frosting because roses are Mary's absolute favorite flower she's obsessed with them and it's such an unusual combination of flavors but honestly it really works Oh, I can't wait. I've got um I've got my box. I think I might make it. I might try and do it today. Um but I just I want to make sure like I film some of it as well so that I can share it with people. But I am just so excited to eat these cupcakes. <laughs> oh, I'm excited for you to make them. I think you really yeah. like them. <laughs> Amazing. Um so this episode is going live on Tuesday at 7 and you will be able to buy your box at 10 Mm a.m. on Tuesday, which is very exciting. So if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, you can go and get your box. And we would absolutely love for you to buy this special collaboration box. We've been working on it since February. We we think we agreed that it was probably about February. February. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And Amanda and I are really good friends and we love to help you to read more and kind of, yeah, immerse yourselves in the world of books. So it's a really special collaboration and yeah, we're just really excited to be sending them out to you. We've got a cutoff date, which is the 23rd, the 23rd of August. Yeah, yeah, so they'll be on, on sale just under two weeks. Um, but we really felt like this was a really nice time to do it as well because it's the summer holidays. If you've got kids or you've got family, it's a great activity to do together um, and to, yeah, just just kind of engage a different, any from from any ages, like a group of people can do it together. You can do it on your own. Um, but we just thought that summer would be a great time to give you time to to do this lovely, enjoyable experience. And I think it's in the same way that we we like to use scent and taste to engage your brain 
to kind of take you back to memories. It's also a really positive way of creating memories by adding in more senses to an experience. You're creating memories. So if this is a shared experience, then it'll it'll just last it'll last you know people will remember it and they'll remember it as really special so yeah yeah and it's always fun baking like if you do it as a family as well because I know it's like school holidays right now like one of the things I really loved doing growing up was baking with my mom and my grandma right like that was the thing that I you know pulled me out of depression was that feeling of like I need to bake with my family so any way that we can help sort of create that experience for you guys as well like yeah it's just it's just fun yeah absolutely oh amazing so we're gonna wrap up with our quick fire questions okay (laughs) (laughs) hope you're ready ready for this (laughs) um amazing so amanda what Mm -hmm. is your favorite book of all time Okay, that is a horrible question, first of all. It's like asking to pick a favorite child. That is an impossible question. Um, To be honest, there will always be a very special place in my heart for Harry Potter, just because those books really sparked my imagination and my love of fantasy as a child. They really got me into reading. And it's, you know, that love I still have today. They helped me through a lot of childhood trauma and bullying. Um, But most recently, I think as an adult, like, currently Jane Eyre or Rebecca or Dracula anything sort of like gothic and dark Mm. I yeah I also really recently finished um The Shadow of the Wind and I fell head over heels for it it is an amazing amazing book it's so good (laughs) oh amazing great we'll we'll take all three of those (laughs) yeah (laughs) um great so if you were a character from any book who would you be I thought about this for a while Mm-hmm. It was a very hard question, but I think I've settled on I would like to be Eowyn from Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings because I would really want to experience Tolkien's world firsthand. And I feel like Eowyn, she's courageous, she's tough, she's rebellious, but she's also feminine and she's a protector and a healer. So I just feel like she's a very well-rounded, awesome character and she doesn't really get enough love. Oh, I love that. Incredible. Oh, will you just share with um, everyone your 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 quiz question, your trivia about J.R.R. Tolkien? Oh, right. Okay. So one of the quiz questions I asked was um, J.R.R. Tolkien's son, when he enlisted in the army, um, he had to put down an occupation for his father. And he put down that his father was a wizard, which I, I thought it. was so cute. <laughs> so good I I feel like that's the highest praise that a child can give their parent to yeah, say that they're a sure. wizard <laughs> I would like to be a wizard thank yeah. you yeah <laughs> amazing so if you were to write a book right now what would it be so I've actually I've been hobby writing since I was about 11 Ooh. yeah and I wanted to be a writer when I was younger but I think I might have been you know, obviously there was no ill intent, like it was just concern for my welfare, but I think I was guided towards like a more lucrative career, like away <laughs> from writing. Um, obviously that didn't happen clearly. Um, <laughs> so I do have like one or two books sort of on the go. I haven't worked on them in ages, but they're both um, YA fiction. They're both fantasy. Um, one's like an urban fantasy set in our time period. And the other one is kind of like an epic fantasy. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. what I write. Yeah. That sounds so fun. 
Yeah, it incredible. is fun. It's just, you know, I wish I had more time to do it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so if you could sum up your reading taste in three authors, who would they be? Okay, I tried to pick like my favorites from certain genres that I read all the time. Mm-hmm. So first would be Charlotte Bronte for the sort of like Victorian dark gothic classics that I mm-hmm. love. Um, and then either Tolkien or Brandon Sanderson for fantasy, because I like both sort of classic fantasy, but I also really like modern fantasy too. And then Sarah Waters, because I really love historical fiction as well. So. Interesting. Yeah. I love that. Great. Um, and what is your favorite way to read? So audiobook, paper book, ebook? Paper, 100%. Mm-hmm. Always paper. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so one of the things that our listeners struggle with the most is how to get back into reading when they're in a reading slump. What is your top tip for getting out of a slump? Can I give two? Of course. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think my, my first one, obviously, it's a little bit obvious given like what you and I do for a living, but like make it more immersive. So really getting stuck into the story, like bake or cook a food mentioned in the book, listen to music from the time period, light a candle that smells like the location anything you can do to kind of transport yourself into the tale and like evoke your senses and emotion I think is a really great way to kind of like kick you out of a slump um I think the other one too is sorry excuse me um reread an old favorite because whether it's like a children's book that you love or one you read last year like read something you know that you're going to enjoy and get lost in not something you feel like you should be reading because it's popular or because everyone says you should be reading it if you read an old favorite it usually will help like get you reading again yeah oh I love that two brilliant tips um okay and so finally what are you reading right now and how are you finding it I'm reading a couple of books right now, which is weird for me because I don't normally read multiple mm. books at once. Um, I just started this morning the, oh, what is it called? Mermaid, Mermaid of Black Conch or mm. something yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 So I just started that one. I'm only a chapter in. It's very interesting. It's very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also, I'm about a third of the way through Fingersmith by Sarah Waters. I just got to the plot twist right before the second part and- some expletives were used but <laughs> I'm hooked it's like yeah it's it's good but I mean historical fiction especially like 19th century historical fiction is is a love so I know I'm gonna love yeah. it so yeah so interesting it, I would say it's the genre that I have the least interest in no why I know I don't know I just I'm just not I'm just not interested like it, yeah. it doesn't doesn't draw me in so mm. yeah <laughs> Well, we'll find you. We'll find you some books. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I need like a recommendation. One that's not too. I just think some of them are very long. They are. Yeah. Don't read Wolf Hall. Don't. Do no, that. I've yeah. got that on my <laughs> shelf, and I just, it, I just never want to pick it up. <laughs> it's not. It's never the thing that I'm in the mood for. So I didn't. I didn't like it. I didn't like it, which is weird because I love historical fiction, but yeah, that one I just. I did not like I should have yeah. done it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, well thank you so much Amanda for joining on the podcast today um I would love for you to tell everyone where they can find you where they can follow you where they can buy from you 
Sure. So my website is bookishbakes.co.uk and everything is available there. Um, you can also follow along. Um, I'm on Instagram, TikTok, kind of, uh, <laughs> Facebook and Pinterest, and it's all bookishbakesco at bookishbakesco. Yeah. Amazing. Great. Um, So yeah, guys, if you're listening today on the day it comes out, then go and get your Bookish Bakes and Wild Books collaboration box. Today, um, we'll make sure that you're all being emailed and shown lots of beautiful content on Instagram and everything. Um, So to remind you to buy one, but yeah, we'd love you to buy this box and enjoy all of the sensory aspects of reading a lovely children's classic wonderful thank you so much amanda thank you for having me it was fun yay Thank you so much for listening to the Wild Books podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please help more people to find the show by subscribing on your favourite podcast platform. And I'd be so grateful if you would leave a review and be sure to tell your friends. Make sure you're following Wild Books on Instagram and TikTok at Wild Books Co and sign up to join the mailing list at wildbooks.co to receive more exclusive Wild Books content. Keep reading and stay open. See you next week. If you're loving this podcast, then you'll want to sign up for the Wild Books mailing list. Each week you'll receive an email, Notes from the Wild, which contains three segments inspired by the world of books. You'll receive a book quote, a profile on a female author, and a thought segment around something that I've been reading or listening to that week. This is the email you'll want in your inbox. A weekly dose of inspiration, ideas to think on, uplifting words, and education around amazing women in the literary world. Head to wildbooks.co to subscribe today.